kick off episode 80 of Monster Kid Radio with a little bit more of Les Zorbits. This is the song Tornadoes, Girls in Zorbits that appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. Find out more about them over at their website. That's L-E-S-Z-O-R-B-I-T-S dot com or just follow the link in the show notes over at our website, monsterkidradio.net. I'm your host, Derek M. Cook. I want to welcome you to the show this Thursday I am excited because we're going to continue our talk with Joe Blevins about Ed Wood films. Now, a couple of days ago in episode 79, Joe told us a lot about the career of Edward D. Wood Jr. Now, I knew a lot about Ed Wood. I mean, Plan 9, Bride of the Monster, things like that. Leonard Glenda. I mean, you can't be a monster kid and not know at least a little bit about Ed Wood. You got the Bella Lugosi connection. You got the zombie stuff with Plan 9. I mean, you know Ed Wood. However, Joe Blevins, he knows Ed Wood, and he shared a lot of information. I was taking notes during the conversation, and while I was putting the show together, going through the post-production process, I was taking even more notes because Joe dropped knowledge when it came to Ed Wood. He is the guy behind the website Dead to Rights over at d2rights.blogspot.com. Go check that out. Go look at his Ed Wood Wednesday project, and you're going to learn everything that you wanted to know about Ed Wood, but were afraid to ask. Again, follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net to get to Dead to Rights. Also at our website, you can find everything else there is to know about Monster Kid Radio, but we're afraid to ask, like our YouTube page, our Live 365 channel, our Flickr album, and our contact information. We have an email address. It's monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Also, we have a voicemail line set up. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 503-4795-MKR. That's 503-4795-657. So if you have any comments about anything that we've ever talked about here on the show, that's how you can get it to us. Or you can do what Scott Morris did. He found us on Facebook. Scott's been on the show in the past. He's the podcast legend behind the Disney Indiana podcast. And he's my co-host over at 1951 Down Place, the monthly Hammer Films podcast. He sent me and Joe a message on Facebook after episode 79 Joe and Derek, I very much enjoyed today's MKR episode. I really enjoyed hearing about Ed Wood and Joe's impressive knowledge of Ed Wood's work. Thank you so much, guys. Now off to find the Ed Wood screenplay book. I already said it. Joe's knowledge had shadows my knowledge of Ed Wood, to be sure. And it was a really good chat. So, Scott, I'm glad you dug it. And, of course, we're going to have Scott back on the show in the future as well. We've already started talking about some other subjects to have Scott on the show about. So, you guys and gals can look forward to that later this year also later this year specifically next week is the next monster kid radio crash here in portland oregon march 20th at the hollywood theater showtimes at seven for santo and blue demon versus the monsters tickets are eight dollars and if you're interested in joining us if you're going to be in the portland oregon area and plan on going i recommend buying your tickets in advance, just to make sure, because this event has been drawing a huge crowd. This is the third night in the three-month-long Cinescopio series at the Hollywood Theater. Put together by Fusion Arts, it's been celebrating Lucha Libre films. I'm sad that this is the last film this year for Cinescopio. They're coming back next year. They're going to be doing a completely different type subgenre of Latin American film but this, man, we're going to blow it out. This is going to be the end-all, be-all, Santo and Blue Demon versus the monsters. you got Dracula, Frankenstein, you know, vampire women, a mummy, a werewolf, full-color camp, exciting action. And I'm going to be there 
with my recorder recording for an upcoming episode of Monster Kid Radio. There is an event page set up on Facebook. There's a link in the show notes, of course, or just look us up on Facebook. Monster Kid Radio crashes. You should be able to find it that way. If you're going to be there, let me know. Stop by and say hi. I'd love to record with you, chat with you a little bit. Although, before the movie, I don't know if we're going to have a lot of time because at 6.30 is a fashion show put together by Fusion Art and the Wrestling Church. This is a fashion show, put a mask on it. So people dressing up in their finest wearing a luchador mask. There's also going to be an opportunity to take pictures with the luchadors. And after the movie, there will be a panel with the luchadors. So you know it's going to be a good time you got to join us if you're in the area. Come out, say hi. I'm hard to miss. I'm the big guy in the Hawaiian shirt who looks like he's having the most fun in the room. All right, speaking of fun, why don't we go ahead and get to part two of our discussion about Edward Films with Joe Blevins. He's going to share with us some Edward Films and some films that have some Edward connections that we might not think of when we're looking for a good monster movie with that Edward flair. We're going to get into that right after this. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplays is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer Films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Should I have said Hammer Pants? 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Journey into double terror with the late night double feature with X, the fiend from beyond space and the wall people. A crew of interstellar explorers must fight an unstoppable alien fiend from beyond space hell-bent on consuming them all. Will they survive? Can they survive? And on the same program, a man must fight to save his only child from the clutches of strange invaders who use their advanced technologies to steal sleeping children through their bedroom walls. Are your children safe? Two terrors to tear you apart in the late night double feature. When we first started talking about having you on the show to talk about Ed Wood, you had mentioned that there were some movies that maybe monster kids aren't really aware of having the Ed Wood connection or their movies aren't on their radar at all. Right. What are some of these Ed Wood films that monster kids need to see or at least get a kick out of some rainy afternoon? Oh, monster kids. If I got some films for you <laughs> now, here's the thing. 
Now, this is called Monster Kid Radio, and some of the movies that I'm going to mention are maybe not so quote-unquote kid-friendly, but Dr. Seuss said that uh, an adult is just an obsolete child. So this is for grown-ups who were at one point in their lives monster kids. Fair enough. You can still get in touch with your inner monster kid and watch some of these movies. I'll start off with something that's pretty innocent. Uh, This is a movie that Ed scripted but did not actually direct himself, and that's from 1958, The Bride and the Beast, with Lance Fuller and a guy in a gorilla suit and uh, an actress named Charlotte Austin, who is quite pretty. And that one actually has music by Les Baxter. Oh, okay. Baxter. And it stars Lance Fuller from This Island Earth. Uh, You might remember him as Brack in that film. Uh, The alien with the weird forehead and the white Mm -hmm. hair. And he's in The She-Creature. And he is basically the great white hunter who takes his newlywed wife uh, on a uh, safari. And she had maybe been a gorilla in a former life. This was the time of the Bridie Murphy case, which had uh, ignited people's interest in past life regression. And she had maybe been a gorilla in a previous life. And she basically falls in love with a gorilla. And she has to choose between Lance Fuller and a gorilla. And so it's a love triangle where one of the points in the triangle is a guy in a gorilla costume. Don't ever get that close to him again. He could have killed you. On her wedding night, her husband's love brought the beast to Ray Jury. memory in her subconscious mind, what weird recollection of another existence evoked frenzied nightmares that could only end in disaster. See their return to the primitive jungles of Africa and the most exciting safari of modern times. for the first time the battle between a giant Bengal tiger and a flesh-tearing crocodile. See the strange climax to one of the great horror stories of our time, The Beauty and the Brute, as a man sees his bride carried off by giant apes. Uh, that film is so much fun. Uh, the DVD for it is beautiful. You can get that at Amazon very easily. It is on a double DVD, double feature DVD called the No Refunds Double Feature uh, from VCI Video with a film called The White Gorilla. So if you love gorilla suit movies, oh, this is this is a terrific film for you. And for Ed Wood fans, This is a terrific find because the heroine of the film, 
she wears these very fuzzy sweaters that the gorilla becomes very much enamored with. <laughs> okay. The, the, the actress who was kind of like, she finds the film funny now, but she was kind of mortified at the time to be making it. Uh, she said she felt like a bumblebee wearing these fuzzy sweaters, you know, that the director took her out to get her costumes for the movie and they just bought them off the rack, I think, at stores in Los Angeles. And part of the plot of the movie is that the gorilla becomes fixated on her because she wears these sweaters made of angora and another fabric called marabou, which I'd never heard of until this project. But if you like really fuzzy sweaters and maybe you're not an angora person, you have a second choice. And your second choice is something called marabou. And people who know Ed Wood know about his fetish for angora. So having it incorporated into a movie like The Bride and the Beast is quite a treat. Mm -hmm. And plus, the movie is just a lot of fun. It's got that classic Monster Kid radio feel to it. So it's got a man in an ape suit. I mean, you can't go wrong with a man in an ape suit, right? That's correct. One thing that's not true about the movie is there's the rumor that uh, Crash Corrigan is actually in the film. Crash Corrigan is kind of famous for playing gorillas. Mm -hmm. It's not really Crash Corrigan. It's a student of Crash Corrigan named Steve Calvert. But still, that's a minor disappointment. I noticed that I bring that up because there was this wonderful uh, trading card set by Drew Friedman. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that online. Beautiful. And he gives a whole card to Crash Corrigan. And Crash is not actually in the movie at all. Ah, okay. So it's not true that Crash Corrigan is in the film, but still in all, definitely people are going to want to see that film. If we jump ahead a little bit, I'm trying to f stick to like the more monstery films, because obviously he made a lot of westerns, and I'm not sure to what extent people who listen to this podcast would be interested in westerns, because, you know, this isn't western kid radio, this is monster, <laughs> but... He did make a he did make a few on his own and then write for other people westerns. So if you go in through Ed's whole filmography, you're going to spend some time watching people on horses. So, but jumping ahead to 1965, of course, is Orgy of the Dead, which I think we've discussed. Have you ever seen an orgy, an orgy of the dead? If not, let us show you a few scenes from our own orgy of the dead. Join the Master of the Dead and his equally infamous Princess of Darkness as they judge the beautiful Gold Girl and her sister companions. See, the Indian girl who tossed her lovers into fires and now must dance with fire. See, the bride who murdered her husband and now must dance perpetually before his skeleton. See, the curvaceous streetwalker. See, the Hawaiian girl who loved snakes and now must entice them forever with her snake-like movements that will also thrill you forever. See, the zombie in her macabre dance. See, the slave girl who was once a cruel queen and now, in turn, is abused by her subjects as she is forced to entertain them for eternity. See, the voluptuous cat girl as she reacts to the whips of pleasure. See, the skull ritual, a beautiful senorita as she quenches her irresistible thirst from her lover's skull. See, 
a woman who in life loved her own body, but now must exhibit herself to please all, including you. C, the gold girl who worshiped gold above all else. Her reward is complete transformation into solid gold. Shocking, terrifying, bizarre, and thrilling. Why don't you join us? Join the Orgy of the Dead. Coming to you in flaming color and widescreen soon. That has a, a zombie in it. It had a werewolf and a mummy are all in this film. It all takes place in a graveyard. So there's lots of skeletons and all kinds of things. That has a lot of the classic Monster Kid Radio elements in it, uh, along with a lot of burlesque dancers, a lot of strippers in that film as well. So if you're into strippers, uh, then Or Do the Dead is definitely the film for you. <laughs> a few years after that, because of the caveman craze that was uh, brought about by um, One Million Years B.C. with uh, Raquel Welch, Right. You know, the schlockmeisters are always looking for what's the new thing? What kind of movie can we crank out here? What are the what is the public going for now? What's the latest gimmick? And, hey, caveman movies. Maybe it's caveman movies. So after the Raquel Welch film was such a success, you know, you get all the schlockmeisters making caveman movies. And one of those was One Million ACDC from 1969. in a millennium, the motion picture screen erupts in such a staggering spectacle of animal passion and brute force that the audience is left drained and breathless. What do you want? Her. <clears throat> Never. I could take her. I'm chief around here. I take what I want. Maybe you've been chief too long. Are you threatening me? <laughs> Save me some grapes. Now before your eyes in fiery Eastman color, one million ACDC. That is directed by a guy named Ed DePriest, uh, whom I've had uh, the opportunity to speak. Oh, very nice guy. Uh, he was a California surfer dude. And he started out making surf documentaries in the 60s. And surf documentaries were kind of regionally popular, but didn't have any chance for national success, out, much outside of California at the time. So he got into making uh, skin flicks, and he made One Million ACDC, which has cavemen. It has a guy in a gorilla suit, again. There you go. There you go. And it has a great force perspective plastic green dinosaur and uh there is even a song the whole movie is basically this little community of cavemen and cave women they're being plagued by a plastic toy dinosaur whom they call the monster they don't say dinosaur they just say monster and at one point they get the idea that they are going to kill the dinosaur by throwing a spear through his eye which will jab him into the brain and kill him that way and the hero of the movie sings a song, which you will appreciate because it's public domain, uh, that goes, 
the spear goes into the monster, the spear goes into the monster, the spear goes into the monster, the monster loses his mind. And they actually stop the movie to sing this directly to the camera. Oh, wow. This is a caveman movie with, you know, spears and loin claws and dinosaurs and all that kind of stuff. And at some, at one point, the actor, I think his name is Gary Warner Kent, who is still active and still alive and is on Facebook now and uh, is a great guy. He sings this directly to the camera. Before he goes off to kill the dinosaur, he actually says, I'm off to see the lizard. So, okay, that joke didn't get as... Not, not very uh, subtle. <laughs> didn't get the laugh I was hoping for. I'm off to see the lizard. You see, lizard. Gotcha, gotcha. See, it's a little, it's a little play on words there. Uh, <laughs> but that's what makes this movie so fun, is that Edward completely went for broke on this one. He wrote it under the name Adcon Telmig, uh, which is supposed to be vodka gimlet backwards, but Adcon Telmig is actually gimlet nodka backwards. So he kind of messed up the, maybe make it a little less obvious. He got the words in the wrong order and it's Adcon instead of Adkov, which would be vodka backwards, but it's supposed to be vodka gimlet. The humor in it's real crazy. You get to see like the invention of the bow and arrow. And, you know, the, the first bow and arrow and they ask the inventor, what are you going to call it? And he holds up the arrow and he says bow. And then he holds up the bow and he says arrow. And that is also a joke. That's another. Okay. Plays better than what I'm saying it, but it's more of a, a visual joke, so it's not going to be working that well in a, in a podcast format. But moving on to the next year, way over in Japan, some American servicemen had some time and money on their hands, and they wanted a script to make into a film. And actually, they might have filmed this around 1967, 68. Uh, the release date that you usually see for it is 1970, but nobody can remember it actually playing in 1970. And we're talking about the Venus flytrap, starring nobody. <laughs> okay. Nobody. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. That's not actually true. Uh, actually, there is uh, one actor in it who is kind of famous-ish. You know, his name is James Craig, and he was considered like kind of a, a B-list, second-tier, kind of handsome leading man kind of actor. Somehow he got involved in this crazy Japanese production, which is very Frankenstein-like. Uh, it's now in the public domain. It's very easily available as The Revenge of Dr. X. It's, uh, you can find it at archive.org and YouTube. And it's in any number of Mill Creek box sets. And it's basically about this NASA scientist who is stressing out on the job. So he has to go over to Japan to take a hiatus while he's there, of course, he does what you do if you were stressing out from your job uh, as a NASA scientist. You become a mad scientist creating monsters in a castle on a mountain. So that's what he does to sort of de-stress. Uh, he becomes the maker of monsters. As you do. As you do. And <laughs> breeds these two kinds of plants together into a creature he calls the Insectivorous. And it's basically like uh, the Audrey Jr. from Little Shop of Horrors, 
This is, of course, this is 1970. So Audrey II from Little Shop of Horrors, the stage musical and the in the Frank Oz film, that doesn't exist yet. So uh, this is actually a bit closer to Audrey Jr. from Roger Corman's uh, Little Shop of Horrors. And it's basically a walking plant monster with kind of like those Venus flytrap hands. You know, when a, when a potato like gets all like the roots growing out of it. You ever seen that? Where sure, sure. You no, know, mm-hmm. like if you leave a potato too long and the roots start growing out of it, that's what the monster's head looks like. And he's got like a big flower petal collar, and he staggers around. He's basically Frankenstein's monster, but not sympathetic really. He's not got like there's no pathos to the insectivorous. Uh, he's just this big lumbering creature who eats puppies. That film is hysterically. It's, it's funny, but it's also just a really fascinating cultural artifact. I would say it's like 99% really innocent and would be perfect for the monster kids of the world. There is one scene, that the one scene that gives the movie its, its R rating, I would say. And this is the one concession to the times, because otherwise this is very much like a kiddie science fiction film. You know what I mean? This is very much like a a Saturday matinee kind of it's it's like a kid's idea of what a monster would be. Oh, all right. But uh, you know, it's got, got like an innocence to it in, in a way. Other than the puppy eating, maybe 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 older kids for the puppy eating. But the mad scientist needs this plant from the bottom of the ocean. And so he enlists the help of the maidens of Chiba. And the maidens of Chiba are these young ladies who go scuba diving for his fabulous plant and they are topless women. But the thing is about their scene is that there's no sexual connotation to the scene at all. No one uh, acknowledges the fact that these women are topless. Like they, he just has a conversation with them and maintains eye contact all the time. (laughs) So there's no acknowledgement of the fact that these are women just wearing basically bikini bottoms and they go and they get this plant and they get the plant to him and he uses it to make his monster and there's not anything sexual about it at all it's just nudity for the sake of nudity otherwise yeah it's a very innocent sort of 1950s kind of feel for a monster film so that is one that i heartily heartily recommend to monster kid radio fans and Moving along, let's see, is there anything else? Yeah, well, Necromania. I mean, are you familiar with Necromania? I'm not overly familiar with outside of anything you've written about on your blog. Well, it's the last Ed Wood writing-directing effort to be released to DVD. Uh, There might be other, quote-unquote, last movies, but it is... Now, this is a pornographic film, so you'd have to be, I would say, over... 40 to watch it. I, I don't think anyone under the age of 40 really should. <laughs> Let's say 50 shouldn't watch it. You'd really, if you're not a member of the AARP, I would say. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, it's not that bad. It's actually like, it's, it's a really goofy film. It's about a young couple who are having some problems in the bedroom. So they go to this necromancer who has this kind of haunted house in Hollywood. And, I mention it because of all of Ed's soft... He didn't make that many hardcore, mostly softcore. And there is 
blessedly, there is a softcore version of Necromania, and I definitely recommend sticking with the softcore version uh, unless you are going on a diet and you don't want to eat anytime soon. <laughs> um, that's one of the problems of these films is that uh, I've mentioned like the good cinematography on some of the um, on some of his fifties films. The cinematography on the films from the seventies maybe not so good, and color film that is n- not preserved well. You've seen what happens to like old family photos when they sort of turn to red. Yeah, colors kind of turn to red. Here's the thing: when you're dealing with a lot of body parts and a lot of skin and a lot of flesh, and the color film is not preserved well. The flesh sort of seems to rot on screen. And so if people have a rash any place on their body, like that stands out incredibly. And if they are pale in different parts of themselves, and maybe they um, missed a few spots if they were tanning, that <laughs> emphasized a great deal. So okay, it looks like, you know, a lot of times the people in the movie kind of look like Pillsbury kind of dough but with red rashes on them and every scar, every bruise you see. So gross. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sorry to say that a lot of the, the camera work in Necromania is almost like you're making an instructional film for surgery. You know, I heard how different. Oh, <laughs> it's not pleasant to sit through, but I would say definitely watch the softcore version and this is one where you're definitely going to want to have your hand near the remote control. Criswell is not in it, but Criswell's coffin is in it. And there are a lot of spooky, gothic uh, elements to the film, including like, you know, those paintings where the eyes uh, are replaced by human eyes and people can stare through the eye holes and, and spy on people. Have you ever seen that in Scooby-Doo? You know, yeah, yeah. Through people. There is a taxidermied wolf, which was apparently the most expensive uh, thing in the movie. Uh, it's referred to as the wolf mummy. So, Orgy the Dead had a wolf man and a mummy. This has the wolf mummy, and it doesn't do a thing. It is a taxidermied wolf. Obviously, a taxidermied wolf is not going to do anything or go anywhere. There's a couple of references to Bela Lugosi and Dracula. So uh, Ed Wood was still obviously thinking very much of Bella, even in those waning days of his life and his career. So uh, Necromania gets a tentative recommendation from me, as you might guess from the movie's title. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to speculate too much about the title. I think people know what Necromania refers to. Yeah, I think so. And that's another unfortunate note that Ed hits a lot of times in his career. So he goes back to that particular well way more often than you would want to. And I guess for monster kids who are exploring the uh, Apocrypha, which are the movies that Ed Wood may have worked on, may not have worked on, his participation is disputed. But I think there's a strong enough connection for it to be included in my series, is the astounding She-Monster from 1957. This hand points the way to an experience human eyes have never before seen. Earlier this evening, I saw what looked like a small meteor drop into the desert not far from here. You mean it could have been a spaceship? Robert Clark is the scientist caught between vicious gangsters and the astounding she-monster. 
Here is a power that frightens the deer in the forest, terrifies fearless dogs, a woman so intriguing that her face and figure fascinate every man, the woman whose warmth consumes. But the astounding she-monster is no more to be feared than beasts of our own underworld. In case you get any more cute ideas, that's an example of what to do. If you're not too afraid, make a date with the woman you'll never forget. A woman impervious to bullets. I think it was directed by a guy named Ronnie Ashcroft. Uh, Ronnie made this the astounding She-Monster. And he was kind of a, a, a newbie to directing. He wasn't a newbie to filmmaking, but he was a newbie to directing. So he consulted Ed on this film. And Ed did advise him on a scene where Kenny Duncan is playing a bear. And the Kenny Duncan uh, is dressed up as a bear in a bear suit and is attacking one of the characters in the movie. So have you seen uh, The Astounding She-Monster? I believe I have. It's one of those ones that I don't have a lot of memory of. Robert Clark's in it, right? Yeah, Robert Clark is the star of the film. He plays, I think, like a geologist. This is one of those films which very much follows the pattern of Plan 9. If you remember the plot of Plan 9, it's basically that human beings are coming up with weapons technology that's too advanced for us to know how to, to use them really properly or at all. And we're going to destroy the universe, basically. If you remember that, because uh, in, in Plan 9, the idea is that we're going to blow up the sun, right? which will set off a chain reaction, which will destroy the universe. So they're trying to stop us from destroying the universe. And as you know, the aliens who have this important mission in Plan 9 they go about it in a very, very strange way, like a very not effective way, obviously the one that fails miserably at the end for them. Like you were like, what was the plan was to raise a couple of people from the dead and have zombies stagger around and then scare some people in traffic and things like that. Sure. <laughs> Why not? So that plan doesn't work at all. And this one is even more bizarre. They just send one woman down and she can basically zap anybody she wants to. And she uh, kills animals and people. And eventually she gets killed. Herself. Well, I don't want to... Ah, heck, I'll spoil it. It's, it's 50 years old or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> the astounding she-monster, she destroys people and animals. And eventually she, she gets taken down herself. But her plan is, is also supposed to be that... Um, She's trying to prevent the human race from destroying the universe with our weapons and our technology. And her plan is basically, like, they shoot her out in, in like, kind of a very remote area in California, and she just kind of staggers around and, and kills a few animals and a few people. And I don't know what the alien strategy was here with <laughs> the monster. Uh, the movie's poster and the title kind of play up the fact that this is, like, an alluring woman you know like they put the 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 form of this alien in the in the body of an alluring woman the movie doesn't really play that up as much uh the, she is a female and she wears a lot of makeup and these really pointy eyebrows right sort of a, a jumpsuit or cat suit and boots and she kind of wanders around 
very regally just pointing at things and killing them. But the, the like her supposed like sex appeal is not really that integral to the film. But there's one reference like it's it's basically a geologist and a socialite and a couple of gangsters are the the main characters in the movie and one of the gangsters does say that the alien looks like quote unquote a naked broad, which I guess she's wearing like a, a cat suit. Sure. But um, the movie's not what you'd call like arousing. It's not, it's very G rated. There's nothing, I, again, other than dead animals and stuff, which I, I hadn't really thought about it until today's conversation, but that's actually a weird uh, running theme in Ed Wood's career is dogs and things getting killed which actually happens quite a bit in uh, science fiction films unfortunately but yeah, that's true that's a movie which is so easily available everywhere if there's any attempt at, at holding a copyright on it it's it's a very weak attempt at holding a copyright because the astounding she monster is one of those ones that can, tends to get put in um public domain box sets and gets posted all over the place it's worth your time so okay what is your takeaway from doing the Edward Wednesday project? My takeaway from it is that Ed Wood had a very fascinating and varied career. And I would say that by watching his movies that he was involved in, you can see not only sort of where America was going during the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, but where the entertainment industry was kind of going and where the exploitation fields were going. And that, yeah, that uh, you get to learn a lot about the guy's values and his obsessions and his way of writing uh, by watching all of his movies in a row. And my other uh, takeaway is that you should probably not watch all the Steven C. Apostolov movies back to back to back. You should space those out. (laughs) So noted. Don't watch those like all in a marathon. Once a month, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good that's a good takeaway right on now we are going to make sure there are links in the show notes to the website but i want to go ahead and mention it again d2rights.blogspot.com is where you post everything your edward wednesday's project another project that i found fascinating is your mill creek comedy and, breakdown and what is so great about that is that you would be so surprised because the a lot of these are also cheap movies as well how often the very names that have come up in the Mill Creek Project have been the, some of the same people who work either behind the scenes or in the cast in the Ed Wood movies. So I haven't completely cross-indexed it yet, but the B-movie world is a very limited world. And so some of the same people who worked on these low-budget comedies, which have fallen into the public domain, are the same people who worked on Ed Wood movies. So... Um, Definitely check those out, too. I think our listeners definitely need to check that out. Joe, I want to thank you for taking some time to talk about Ed Wood with us here on Monster Kid Radio. We'll have you back down the line again to talk about more Ed Wood or who knows what else. But I definitely want to put an open invitation out to you to have you back on the show down the line. Well, that would be great. This has been a real pleasure. I cannot stress enough. 
d2writes.blogspot.com. It's a great website. Joe's been writing for a few other websites as well. But if you go to d2writes.blogspot.com, you're going to be able to keep on top of everything that he's got going on. You can read his Ed Wood Wednesday series. You can read his series about the Mill Creek comedy box set that he's been reviewing. Slowly making his way through those movies. It's a good read. He's a talented writer. I think he's somebody that you're going to really want to follow. And if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't know nearly as much as we know about Ed Wood now, right? I mean, you did go back and listen to the last episode and then this one. I mean, I've got a checklist of movies that I want to see. That 1 million ACDC looks bizarre. And I know there's a DVD available of it out there with a double feature with The Mighty Gorgo, which is not an Ed Wood film. But I have some fond memories about that movie because I saw it hosted by Elvira. And man, that movie is kind of a trip, too, with another plastic dinosaur. So... You know, I might just put that on here in a little bit. But first, I'm going to get this episode of Monster Kid Radio out and into your iPods or MP3 players or however it is you listen to podcasts, where I hope you are giving us your honest reviews. Remember, we're doing the 50 Review Challenge in the iTunes Store. 50 honest reviews of Monster Kid Radio, and we'll launch a Creature from the Black Lagoon spinoff. Real easy. If you haven't already reviewed us in the iTunes store, we're going to ask you to go ahead and hop over there and give us an honest review. I'm not just looking for a handout or a gimme. Give me your honest thoughts in the iTunes review. We hit 50 of them. We'll get that creature from the Black Lagoon show going. That's going to be a real treat. I'm stoked about that one because Creature is my favorite film of all time. I think longtime listeners of Monster Kid Radio, hell, anybody who spends more than five minutes with me, knows that that movie's my jam. And I can't wait to dedicate some solid shows to that. Also, we're trying to get 300 likes in Facebook. Likes are the currency of Facebook. We have over 260 right now as of this recording. If you are a Facebook user, please consider looking up Monster Kid Radio and give us a like. Now, this is for the page. The group, well, you can join the group and get into conversations with other listeners of Monster Kid Radio and see the poll that started up where we're trying to find out what the listeners would like us to do for our 100th episode, which is coming up. In 20 episodes. So, you know, we got 20 episodes to figure out. That's 10 weeks to figure out what we're going to do for episode 100. If you have any thoughts, get over to the Facebook group, throw it up in the poll, and see if anybody else likes your idea. Of course, I have the ultimate say-so because I'm the one who produces the show and has to make everything happen, scheduling and all that. So I'm looking forward to your suggestions and just the group brainstorming. Got a couple of things in the pipeline coming up here on Monster Radio. It looks like next week we're going to be talking about a film starring Lon Chaney Jr., Bruce Bennett, and Beverly Garland. I'm keeping my scaly fingers crossed that this one works out for us. That should be a good time. So come back next week for that. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the song Tornado, Girls, and Zorbits. That appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with the permission of the band, Les Orbits. Find out more about them over their website at lesorbits.com or follow the link in the show notes. Thank you very much to them for letting us play this song on the show, and thank you for listening. Talk to everybody next week. Mm-hmm.